You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we are sorry for ignoring you, for turning away from you. Would you please tune our hearts by your word this evening? Would you use me as your instrument for your kingdom and for your glory? This we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, I wonder what your hope is in life and death. What basket do you put all your eggs in? What belief do you stand upon? I've been listening to a podcast the past couple of weeks. They've been talking about mind maps. We all have these mind maps. What is your mind map? Where, what sets your direction in life? Well, that's the question that Jesus presents us with in our passage in Luke chapter 6. He says there's two types of people. On the one hand, there's those who hear and do, and on the other hand, there's those who hear and do not. Simple, two ways to live, as a doer or a do-notter. But look a little bit closer at these two groups. In verse 46, we see that both of these groups of people come to Jesus and they call him Lord. Both the doers and the do-notters recognize who Jesus is. They understand that he's the king, he's the Lord. And this is an interesting claim. They don't just see him as another prophet or as a madman, as a liar or a lunatic. They come to Jesus, they recognize his power and authority. They know, they understand They see that he is the king, that he is Lord. So much so that with both of these groups, they come and they listen to him. They listen to what he has to say. They're coming each week to temple, to church, listening to his sermons, and they're hearing the word of God. And yet, for some of them, the knowledge, the understanding, the listening, it all amounts to nothing. It results in nothing. Though they hear, they do not repent, they do not have faith. They reject the truth and maybe they don't do that outwardly with great shows of sin and and debauchery, but they do so inwardly in their hearts. Their hearts become hardened to Jesus and the ways of his kingdom. Jesus didn't really say that, did he? That's not really what he meant by saying that. That's what their heart feels. That's what they think in their minds. See, the difference between these two groups of people is their response to Jesus' words. The doers, they come and listen to Jesus and they accept his power and authority and they submit to his will. They seek to align their life with his kingdom. The do-notters, they come and listen, they hear Jesus' words, they understand who he is and what he's saying but they do not accept his teaching. They do not submit their life to his rule and to his kingdom. They reject him, and they continue living life their own way. Just as Adam and Eve did in the garden, as all of humanity has done ever since. We think we know better than God. We think we know better than Jesus. This is our human nature, to think that we can do it all on our own, that we've figured it out. I know the answer. 
Everything's going to be okay. I am in control. But Jesus says to not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. And he provides us with a metaphor for why that is so. He says that those who are doers, they are like a builder who is built on a solid foundation. Someone who's dug deep down, right down onto the rock, and has found a sure footing for their structure. But those who don't, the do-notters, they're like those who've built their house on the topsoil. They didn't dig down and they, they didn't establish a foundation. They just went ahead and you know, ignored thousands of years of engineering advice and put their house on the dirt. Now, technically I am an engineer. Uh, I've got a degree in audio engineering, but do not come to me if you want to build a house. Um, I'm not your guy for that kind of thing. But let me tell you, there's no substitute for a good, solid foundation. Uh, Where my parents live... So, I come from Australia. Obviously, you can hear that. You might think I'm British, but I come from Australia. All of Australia lives on the coastline, basically. There's uh, a telecom company that says we cover 98% of Australia, which just means that they have reception to 98% of Australians, which is like this thin line around the outside of the coast. So everyone lives on the coast. Step one. Uh, There's this great stretch of coast near where my parents live uh, that I love to go to when I visit them. Uh, And there's all these houses built right up against the ocean. Um, You can probably see the problem that I'm already hinting at. But it's one of my favourite places. There's this really nice beach. There's this kind of bar or pub that you can go to that's like on the sand. And so you can sit at this pub drink a beer if that's your drink drink of choice, or just drink a water if that's something else, if you're a minister. Uh, Drink a water and read Calvin's Institutes uh, looking out at the ocean and the sky. Um, Really nice place to do that. So, But sure enough, the last time I was there, this pub was closed because a storm had come and washed away the foundations of this pub. And so all these houses are facing the same problem, aren't they? They've, they've all built their houses right up against the shoreline. They've got great location, except for when it comes to erosion, soil erosion. As the sand gets washed away and the ground underneath these houses erodes, these houses are in danger of getting washed away, washed out to the sea. So this is the danger of, A, building your house too close to the beach. But really, it's, they didn't have a proper foundation. They were building on the sand. I wonder if you can hear the echoes of Noah's ark in Jesus' words. There's kind of an illusion going on in this passage. The story of Noah in Genesis chapter 6 to 9 is a perfect example of what Jesus is talking about. God tells Noah that the world is so sinful that he has to do something about it. He has no other choice but to destroy the earth. In his wisdom, he's has to put an end to the violence of humanity. The sinfulness of humanity is so great, he has to start the whole creation project over again. And so he decides to tear down this building and raise it up again. But Noah has found favour in God's sight, and so God decides to save Noah. So he, he tells him to build an ark. Because God is going to send this flood that's just going to utterly destroy the earth and everything on it shall die. And this sounds crazy, but Noah listens to God's word. 
and he obeys and he builds this ark. And even though everyone around him thinks he's crazy, he listens, he does what God has told him to. And sure enough, Noah is saved from the flood. Had he not obeyed God's word, he would have been swallowed up just like the rest of humanity. And in Hebrews eleven seven, we read this. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he uh, condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Jesus isn't just giving us uh, good building advice, though. You know, he's not just saying, don't buy a house too close to the ocean, uh, don't, you know, buy a house that's built on the topsoil. He's not just saying that. He's giving us a warning about becoming complacent, a warning against becoming hard-hearted. And we kind of heard that in the uh, Old Testament reading as well. And I think Jesus' words here present a real danger for us in our society today, in this Bible belt of the South, because there's such a big danger of us becoming notional Christians. A notional Christian is someone who kind of considers themselves a Christian but hasn't turned their life over to Jesus in repentance and faith. You know, maybe they are someone who grew up going to church, who, who knows Jesus, who understands who he is, but the pressures of life, the busyness of the world, you know, friends, family, football, all of these things cried out, crowd out their time. And so they might say they're a Christian. They come to church maybe once every couple of months, but their hearts, their hearts are far from God. I wonder if this describes you. I mean, it often describes my attitude because this is not just a problem for them and, you know, those guys over there. You know, I wish I was... And, you know, I'm glad I'm not like those guys over there. They're the ones that are the problem, you know. It's not my problem, it's their problem. But this is a problem that we all face. It's a problem for you and for me. It's the human problem. This was the problem we saw with the Pharisees. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs because they looked really impressive on the outside, but on the inside they were full of death. They kept the temple laws, they cleansed themselves all the time, and yet on the inside they were just dead. They had no love for God or for their neighbor in their hearts. They followed the rulers of this age and were into self-promotion, rather than self-denial. And this is a danger that I face every day because of the shininess of the world, the allure of the world through my own selfishness and forgetfulness, because of my own weakness and foolishness. I say yes, Lord, with my lips, and yet I deny him with my life. Here Jesus says that this style of living just leads to destruction. So Jesus is making a huge statement here. He's making a huge statement of authority of who he is. He's saying, I'm the king. I'm the one you should follow. Now, in the context of his day, this was a big deal. Back then, there was this Roman emperor who saw himself as lord of all the earth. He had the biggest army. He had the best technology. He had the most advanced society in all the world. They were the best country in the world. 
So the emperors thought of themselves as all-powerful, as the king of the world. And so for these early Christians who would have been reading this, this question was very relevant for them. There's one emperor, Domitian, who made a declaration that statues of him should be sent all over the Roman Empire. And on appointed days and feasts, all of the people had to pass before the statue and bow before him as God. The choice was very clear, Domitian or Jesus. Who will you follow? Who will you worship? Will you submit to the rule of Rome or to the true king of the heavens and the earth, Jesus? But he's also making a religious statement here, angering the religious elite, for he's calling himself God, the Lord of all creation. You call me Lord, and yet you continue to rebel against me. I am the true God. Don't listen to Moses and the law. I mean, listen to them. But don't look to them for your salvation. Don't listen to the high priest. I am the Lord your God. So in this context, he's basically saying, don't follow the scribes and the Pharisees. Don't follow Caesar or the Roman authorities. I am God. Come and follow me. And this is really hard for us as humans to listen and to do and to understand. It's a radical call for us today. It's a radical call to put our allegiance, our life at the feet of Jesus. Now notice that Jesus doesn't say that if you follow him, life is going to be rosy. With both the doers and the do-notters, there will be storms. Look at verse 48. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. There's still a storm for those who do, who those, those who listen and who do. Following Jesus doesn't make life perfect. It doesn't make life any easier, actually. There's still going to be storms in your life. And I wish I could stand here and tell you that if you follow Jesus, life is going to be easy. My job would be so much easier if that was the case. But no, I'm not a self-help speaker. I'm not a snake oil salesman. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I just want to present you with the word of God. Because in this passage we see the hope of the Christian life. In Jesus we have a sure and solid foundation. And when we stand upon that foundation, we will never be shaken. Hebrews 12:28 says, We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Though Satan may buffet, though trial may come, and they will, Jesus tells us that you will be hated because it hated him. But the hope of the Christian life is that no matter what life throws at us, God is faithful. He is mighty to save. And in Jesus we have a sure and certain foundation on which we will stand until the end when we attain our glorious future. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. But notice the integrity of the structure is based not on how good it looks, how big it is, how beautiful it is, but upon its foundation. And what I mean by that is that the answer to the problems of your life is not to build taller, but to dig deeper. The danger of this passage is that we would kind of turn inward and look inward and make sure that we're doing enough of God's words, 
Make sure that we're, our works are good enough for God, that we're pleasing to God. But the answer is not to look inward, but to make sure that we're looking to Jesus, listening to him, doing his words, following him. Just as God called Abraham to leave the land of Ur and trust him, just as God called Noah to build the ark and trust him, Jesus, uh, sorry, just as he called the disciples to leave their nets and follow him, Jesus calls us now to abandon, to leave everything we have and follow him, to go out into the deep, as Andrew said this morning and as he said last week, to go out into the deep and follow him, to give up ourselves and follow him, to die for ourselves and live for him. Jesus is presenting us with an invitation here to come to him. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Christ Jesus we have a sure foundation and upon that foundation we will stand until we see you in glory. Father, we ask that you would, by your Spirit, strengthen us to stand upon that foundation that we might be found pleasing in you. All this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.